It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Hello and welcome to Make the Dough Rise. I'm Walter Storholt alongside certified financial planner Brian Doe, ready for today's show. Hey, Brian, how are you doing this week? Doing great. Good to be here. We're just busy getting the house on the market, trying to sell a little bit of real estate. Boy, I know the feeling. Last year was a big move for me, and so you're uh, you're entering into the wonderful world of selling your home and showings and all that sorts of good stuff. Are you stressed yeah. out about it, or do you kind of take it in stride? I think my wife stresses more than I do, but you know, with three girls becoming teenagers, we need a couple more bedrooms and bathrooms and that kind of stuff. So it'll all work out. How are you going to keep the house clean with you know three teenage girls essentially? You know. I know what the bathroom would probably look like with three teenage girls operating in it, just from experience of seeing, you know, cousins' houses and <laughs> that sort of thing. I think we're going to have to hire an army of people to come in and uh, just clean up behind us every day. An hourly cleaning session. You'll just it, it, have to hourly, hire. yes. It's yeah. a losing battle. <laughs> Too funny. They need to make a, uh, what are those robotic vacuums, like a Roomba? They need to make one that does the bathroom, you know, and just kind of. We need some Jetson-ish robot that cleans up right behind you yes inventions and that sort of thing yep Mm -hmm. fantastic well good luck with that process i'm sure on some future shows we'll hear about maybe some of the trials and tribulations of selling a home and what you're going through that'll be something to look forward to it's a good topic not too many tribulations yeah a lot of people go through that when they make retirement moves and career changes so it's a big topic Yep, absolutely. Well, speaking of big topics, we have a huge one for today's show. So if you're new to the program here on Make the Dough Rise, welcome. Thanks for joining us. If you don't know a whole lot about Brian, he is, as I mentioned, a certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond with an office there in Greensboro, Georgia. You can find him online by going to livingworth.com. That's also where you can listen to past episodes of the show. And we cover how to make your financial life a little bit easier, how to retire with more confidence and peace peace of mind, how to make sure that all those financial pieces are coming together in the right way here on the program. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about the number one area for immediate improvement that Brian sees with pretty much every person that comes through the door. And we're going to talk a little bit about pizza as well, because after all, this is make the dough rise. Brian, you're going to connect all these dots for us, but I'm really intrigued by that number one area for immediate improvement that you seem to think is pretty universal. Well, of course, it always comes back to pizza, but I thought last time we talked about long-term projections and strategies and what might happen with changes of tax law. So with this episode, what I'd like to do is give somebody a really practical outlook on something that they can do immediately, regardless of what tax law changes are made tomorrow. But this is the number one thing that I see people come in with that no one ever has right. And and maybe there's different shades of gray to what's perfectly right, but this is something that's actionable, immediate, and can increase your bottom line, reduce your tax bill, regardless of what long-term structural changes they make to the tax code. That's a long list of good items. That's a good checklist, all those improvements you're talking about. It's win-win. Yeah, win-win-win. So, all right, take us through it. What is the key to kind of unlocking some of these benefits and where we can make these improvements? Okay, so I'm going to jump ahead in our process a little bit. Obviously, just for foundational reasons, you would go through the process of figuring out what is your risk tolerance, what do you need to own. But at the end of the day, like pizza dough, there's four basic ingredients. With pizza dough, it's flour, water, salt, and yeast. And after that, it's all technique. The same is true with portfolios. 
you're going to own four key types of investments, stocks, bonds, cash, and real estate. Now, again, how much of those you own, what allocation and percentage, what time period, liquidity, all of those are things that have to be worked out on an individual basis. But overwhelmingly, I see people come in with the right stuff, even if they have the right stuff, it's in the wrong place. I can see some immediate parallels here, right? Like if you have in you're making the pizza too much salt or too much yeast or too little of one of those things, well, the dough's not going to come together. It may not rise or it may not come out like you want it to. Or I don't know, you're the pizza maker here, but you intend to make a, you know, a flat pizza and it comes out as a you know, Chicago deep dish because you added too much of one ingredient or something like that. And I could see the same parallel on the financial side. If you have too much of one of those things you listed, whether it be stocks or bonds or cash, the whole plan can't come together as it should. Yeah, if you're earning, so let, let me just jump right into this. If you're earning a combination of dividends, interest, and long-term capital gains, maybe preferential dividends, tax-free, municipal bond interest, corporate bond, taxable interest, and there's a couple other breakouts of preferred stocks and master limited partnerships, which are iterations of those four basic components. Each one of those dividends, gains, or interest are treated differently for tax purposes. So what often happens is people buy model portfolios, they buy life cycle funds. These are very popular uh, investment options in large 401k plans. They're easily applied to a wide range of portfolios. You just pick the date that you're gonna retire, you tell them what your risk tolerance is, and all of those things will lead you to a model portfolio that's based on your risk tolerance. But the point that is missed in all of that well-intentioned, scalable advice is the tax question. Most robos or 401k plans and life cycle funds don't account for your individual tax situation and account structure. So if you own a combination of brokerage, regular brokerage savings and investments, and you have IRAs and 401ks, which are tax deferred, and ideally, if you can build up and increase the Roth IRA contribution amounts, you've got a tax-free bucket. Well, what you own in each of those tax structures can be optimized for tax treatment by just, you know, you can't move money around from one account type to another. Oftentimes when I bring this up, people have the misconception that you can take money in or out quickly out of an IRA. It actually involves a little more selling of certain assets in one account, buying them back in other accounts, and you can use buying and selling to restructure the portfolios. But if you can get your taxable dividends, ordinary taxable interest, so CDs, bonds, master limited partnerships, REITs, preferred stocks, all of those types of investments made in your tax deferred account, you are not adversely impacting the tax treatment of those types of dividends. Then if you want to switch to the brokerage account, what you should be earning there are preferential dividends and long-term capital gains. And I think the best illustration to shed some light on this would be the story of Mitt Romney. I don't know if you've heard about Mitt Romney's IRA. Has that ever hit your radar, Walter? Not specifically his IRA. Certainly no of Mitt Romney and you know the election from just 
Gosh, feels like it was just the other day, but I guess we're past 10 years since that that election. That's kind of wild to think about. But yes, go ahead. Yeah, Mitt Romney's it's, it, IRA. It's been a long time, and obviously yeah. in the debates, and there was a little bit of a war on the 1%, and Mitt Romney happened to make some investments in a simple IRA that grew dramatically. And it's estimated that his IRA is worth somewhere between 20 and $100 million. I think the number that was getting kicked around at election time was $100 million. Wow. And Obama specifically said no one should have $100 million in an IRA. And it was, it was kind of that anti-1% talk that was so popular at the time. Sure. Well, two things. One, Obama needs to attend, attend my required minimum distribution seminar because if he knew that 40% of Mitt's required minimum distributions were going to go in tax payments to the federal coffers, he would want everyone to have a $100 million IRA. <laughs> That's right. That'd be good for government purposes, right? Yeah, and it'd be great for all of us, and it'd be great for the government because there, there's a, a payback schedule there, and you know, 40-ish percent of that money will end up back as tax revenue. The flip side is when Mitt made those decisions and those investments, the rules were flipped. Capital gains tax rates were higher, and the IRA distribution rules were, they were a little less clear than they are today. So buying these highly appreciating investments in a tax-deferred vehicle made perfect sense back in the 80s and, I don't know, maybe 90s when he was making making the types of investments that he w- was making to get those kinds of gains. So the second part is Mitt needs to attend my Right Stuff, Right Place seminar. And if he had split the difference, if he had just done half of the investment in a brokerage account and half in an IRA, well, you don't know what the tax rates are going to be in 20 years. But if he had done a division of those assets, he might have some that are taxed much lower at the 15% rate or 20% rate, depending on your income, for capital gains. And then he would not have this massive amount in the IRA, which is going to be subject to required minimum distributions, which, of course, all end up on your tax form as taxable income. Interesting that you can take kind of a very large example like that, right, Mitt Romney. Not necessarily a lot of our listeners are going to be quite in that 20 to $100 million territory, but how do you extrapolate kind of that lesson down to what we'll just call, I guess, the everyday investor or your typical client who comes in the door? Sure, sure. That, that's very easy. I mean, if you look at recent history, we've got a lot of stocks and popular names that have done extremely well. If you've got Amazon, Apple, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Cisco, any of these tech names that have done so well in recent history, it's highly likely that you could have bought those in your IRA. Well, all of those gains, and of course, now that they're starting to pay more dividends, if you're earning those in your IRA, you're essentially turning long-term capital gains and preferential dividends into future taxable income. Okay, That may be a a lot to take in and digest without any visual or or calculation to go along with it. But the point is fair. If you, I have never actually had someone come into the office with a mix of investments and a portfolio where this element has been optimized. And so again, by making a few changes and getting those growth oriented stocks, the high dividend paying stocks into a brokerage account, getting the uh, CDs, cash, money market, bonds in your more conservative income-producing investments into your IRAs and 401ks, 
it could translate literally to uh, you know, a few thousand dollars a year easily for the average investor to a few thousand dollars per year into decreased taxes and an increase into your bottom line. And that's what I was going to say. What's the big deal? Are we talking, I mean, it's one thing to talk about savings, but the government, you know, would like to get its hands on that money in some way, shape or form. So are we talking about, you know, a pretty small difference by making all of these moves or something that's that's truly tangible and makes an impact on somebody's, you know, retirement lifestyle, as an example? Well, I mean, obviously, it depends on what dollar amount you're talking about. And if, you know, if it's $1,000 or if it's $10,000, I've yet to meet anybody that would say, no, I don't want an extra few thousand dollars in my pocket. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So it, whether it's a big deal or not will vary from person to person, but probably in a lot of cases, it's, it is indeed a tangible difference. Well, and, and it's immediate and it's recurring. So if, okay. if you get this corrected and it's 3000 or $5,000 this year, it will be the next year and the next year and the next year. And so now add that up over time. And if we can reduce the required minimum distributions, if we can effectively get tax deferral by buying and holding growth assets, in the long run, it may be a much, much bigger benefit. But if you compound a few thousand dollars per year every year, again, I don't, I've yet to see, meet anyone who uh, would turn that down. So to help put it in perspective, somebody listening to the show today, what are some triggers or red flags that you can throw out where they might say, okay, I might be affected by what Brian is talking about here? What kinds of people or what kinds of, you know, items do folks have in their portfolios that often, you know, kind of trigger you to say, hey, this is the number one area of improvement for you? What are, who's affected the most by some of the things we're talking about? Sure. Well, let's start with maybe an average retiree or near retiree. If you've got a large emergency fund balance in cash, money market, or CDs at a bank savings account, not an IRA, but a bank savings account, and you're sitting on, you know, it's hard to put a number on it, but let's say you've got a hundred or $200,000 in a CD or, or reserve account, that money would be actually better off. It's not money that you, you're going to need in the next 12 to 18 months. It's truly long-term emergency fund that would be better off in an IRA. And there's some mechanics and timing about how you make that move. And if you have that investment option in your 401k, Again, it all varies by what is available to you, but more often than not, you can find a solution that that will work where you can get a portfolio better optimized for taxes based on the allocation that you want. Interesting to kind of hear to hear things like that. So, who should take advantage, you know, of these opportunities of looking to kind of restructure, of making sure we've got that right mix of salt and yeast and flour and, and those kinds of things? Who should be who should be doing this, and and when? I think is a big question here. It's kind of the who, what, where, when, how conversation. But when's the best time to figure all this out as well? Again, going back to what people own, if you look in your IRAs and your 401ks, and you have a lot of growth stocks, or you have a heavy growth allocation to S&P 500 index funds or stock index funds, those may be better off in a brokerage account and buy more conservative bond and fixed income-like investments in your in your retirement accounts. So again, whether you're over-saved for emergency funds at a bank and CDs, or if you're overgrowth invested in your 401ks and IRAs, those would be obvious, clear, no matter what age or what stage in the process you're in, those would be the obvious triggers to say, yes, you could do better. 
lots of people probably fall into that category. So give us a sneak peek at the finished product or at least the solution, you know, as you've got that right mix or you're creating that right mix of the dough and now we're watching it rise in the oven. What's that look in the financial side of the equation? What are the solutions here? Okay, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but you want less growth. You actually want a smaller balance in IRAs and 401ks, in my opinion. Okay. Which people love the big headline number. They get that tax deduction. They max out their contributions. The money grows, and they just love looking at a large number. But again, that large number can come back to bite you with higher mandatory distributions. And if you need liquidity and want to get your hands on the money, you've got to take it out of an IRA or 401k, which will generate taxable income. So anyway, the idea of having as large a number as possible, well, that's appealing to individuals. The industry loves it because you have larger balances in their managed account programs. And the government loves it because they know they're going to get additional tax revenue on it in the future. So by having a more optimal account structure and getting the right things in the right place, you may actually have a smaller total portfolio value, but more of it belongs to you. There are fewer claims on it on the tax realm. And I I will have to say, I overwhelmingly see a resistance or a passing of the buck when it comes to the tax question on investments. Brokerage firms, FINRA regulated firms, they don't want to go on the record as giving tax advice. In fact, they're often shied away from it or discouraged from going on the record as making tax recommendations. And so this often just gets ignored because I don't know if it's a a lack of understanding so much as it's just a there's some aspect of having to uh, well, Brian, if I can if I can interrupt here for a second, you know, I kind of just uh, I have this this parallel in my mind of you know we always bring it back to the pizza, right? This is make the dough rise after all the podcast, and I kind of think of it like, all right, so you're laying out all these things, you're giving me some of these these nice tools, okay? Lower the amounts in these taxable buckets and you know move them to the others. I've heard that imagery before as we talked about, but you know I could do all of this on my own, but I start thinking about it like the pizza side of things, right? Like I could go try and make my own pizza today, but it's probably not going to come out as good as you making the pizza in the backyard in your you know brick oven because you know, you've made a, a thousands of them at this point in time. You've done this before. You know what to look for. You know the ins and outs. Whereas if I try to go spin the pizza, it'd fall on top of my head, not having ever done it before. And that's fine if it's the consequences or you just get a little messy making pizza or you burn the pizza a little bit or something like that. But the consequences are a lot greater if we mess up trying to do some of this stuff on our own. Well, so let's let's talk about pizza dough. It's very easy for the dough to overrise. An overrisen dough can well, it can be salvaged. I mean, you can still make a decent pizza out of that. But I would argue that maybe the same's not true on the portfolio side. If your IRA balance is overrisen, if it's larger than it needs to be, that's going to have a very negative impact on your tax situation. So while we can salvage an overrisen pizza dough, an overrisen IRA presents some problems that are going to be a little bit harder to maneuver around. And if if anything, you're going to give up a larger share of that. All right. So give me that final takeaway, Brian. If I'm listening to today's show, I heard some of these triggers about, yeah, I got a, I may not have that $100 million IRA, but I've got a good chunk of my savings 
in just an IRA. I am worried about taxes. That is a concern that's on my mind. What are some things to think about and some steps to take to start addressing that issue now rather than later? Because I'm sure time is of the essence here for a lot of people as well. Yeah, we've got anywhere from three to seven years, I think, to take some actions on current tax rates. So it's not an emergency. It's not we're not, we're not on fire here. But these things that I've talked about that are of immediate benefit, I think anybody that has not taken an inventory of where you own what you own and correlated that back to the tax treatment of those, I've got a worksheet that I do with clients very early on, and we just map out which types of assets are in which types of accounts. And you get a nice visual grid pattern of where things are. And we've highlighted the danger zones and then the optimal zones. And very quickly, people can look and see, oh, I've got too much money in this category in my IRA, and I don't have enough of this category in my brokerage account. And it gives a nice visual so people can say, oh, this type of investment needs to be moved to this account and this type of investment needs to be moved to another account. And obviously, how you do that, the steps to take to do that, the timing of of when to do that, if you have to sell some things, if it's going to generate taxes, all of that needs to be considered. But again, I've yet to meet many people who've really optimized their entire portfolio for the right asset location. Well, if you have questions about anything that we've talked about on today's show, it's worthwhile to get some help on these things. And Brian and the team at Living Worth Wealth Advisors can certainly help you do that. It's pretty easy to get in touch. Let me give you the ways. You can give a call to 706-451-9800. That's 706-451-9800. Brian's had about two decades of experience now in financial services, and he's been a practicing certified financial planner since 2013. So he's got a lot of years of experience helping people do just what we've talked about on today's show. And that's setting yourself up better for the future from a financial standpoint, making sure that you're well prepared for all that the the tax changes and all of the different moving pieces that are going to come our way are going to throw at you. If you go to livingworth.com, by the way, and you check out the podcast, maybe you're listening to the podcast on the website, definitely check out the link to request a free diffuse book. Definitely a great resource that Brian has written here for you where you can learn a little bit more about some of the concepts that we talk about on the show week in and week out. It's another great way to learn a little bit about kind of what's going on and some of the important things that you should be thinking about. You can also schedule a time to meet with Brian there on the website as well. Just look on livingworth.com. And if you're on the show page where you're listening to an episode, you should see the big orange button that says schedule a call. And that's an easy way to get in touch as well. Brian, any final takeaways? Yeah, I was going to say, if you think that trying to read about this and understand this all on your own, but you don't want to quite commit to a a meeting or or wanting to to share information, the easiest thing to do is schedule a 15-minute call. We've got that option on the website. A quick call and a little bit of a discussion can help me get people in the right direction. If we're right for you, I'll let you know. If not, and you need another resource, I'm happy to direct you there. So if reading and and trying to understand all this yourself, or if you're unsure of some of the concepts that I've talked about, and you want to just say, hey, help me out with this real quickly. And uh, let's see if there's something to be improved. Quick 15 minute call, we can get you going in the right direction. 
Again, livingworth.com. Check the show notes of today's episode. You can find those links there as well. Brian, thank you for all the help on the show today. Enjoyed it. Now, as I think is going to be the case every time after we record a podcast, I'm extremely hungry talking about pizza this whole time, and uh, (laughs) I'm going to go get some lunch, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great. Take care, Walter. We appreciate it. That's Brian Doe. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.